the MMA community lost a great fighter and elite advocate for athletes for care in Elias Theodoru. He fought in a number of promotions, but he was probably, you know, well known for his career in the UFC. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends. Yeah, he was a very entertaining fighter. He walked into the octagon with big hair, he had big personality, and he also had a heart for causes and yeah. his advocacy for causes like Athletes for Care will definitely live on. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends. Elias, you will be missed. Rest in peace, Spartan. Welcome all sports fans. On this podcast, no sport is left behind. I'm Justin Williams. I'm Cabrera Ron. And this is our brother from down under. Me, Wallace Bruce. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters. Filling you in on the latest news from the world of sports. On this episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, we have an interview with mixed martial artist Elias Theodoru ahead of his fight tomorrow against Matt Dwyer at Rise FC in British Columbia. We also talk about the three championship bouts that occurred last weekend at UFC 259, and Justin goes on a bit of a rant about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's get into it. Uh, So about the Leafs on their three-game losing streak, um, that was just unfortunate. Did you jinx them or something, Justin? No, I called it. Go back to like two episodes when I was like, every team goes through a slump. I'm calling it. We're using this in the recording. Are you guys recording this? I'm using this right now. It's not even that much of a slump. The reality is that we're still number one. Right. By a margin. (laughs) But hold on. You're going to have losses. (laughs) Okay. Hold on a second. Let me get this off my chest right now before. Is this recording? I hope it's recording. If not, I I actually just started recording now. I love you. Moving forward. Um, Okay. So what happened in Winnipeg, it was a 4-3 loss, but the Leafs scored four of the goals. Austin Matthews did a great Ronaldo kick, put it in the back of our net. Uh, the goalie they were shooting on, Holt, was a former for the Capitals, and he was the like goalie of the year or something. like Basically goalie of the year when, they, when the Capitals won a few years back. And he was just having the game of his career. Also, Austin Matthews is a sniper. He's playing with a fractured hand. So he's no longer sniping, but in fact, he's a body in the way, just chipping things in. With a fractured hand, he got two goals. <laughs> yeah, come like, on. Like, we're, we're doing well. It's just that game was poor. That's all that was. And Matthews is getting better because now he's scoring. Against Vancouver, he wasn't a factor. He was still playing, but he was shooting as well as... I would have shot against an empty net, essentially. So, not very good. So now that he's getting his rhythm back, he is dealing with his hand, although I read reports this morning that he's not practicing right now, so he might have injured it a little bit more. But if he's out, that's fine. I almost prefer him sit out, because then we can put another body in the way who can deal damage, which I love having Austin there. He's fantastic. But if he's not ready, pull a Kawhi Leonard and sit out until you are. Because we saw how beautiful that strategy works. End of my rant. Let's move on. Well, there's nothing wrong with losing now. I'd rather <laughs> yes. lose now in bunches than lose later. I'd yeah. rather get the team healthy now. Exactly. As opposed to trying to win meaningless games and then have them hurting later when the games matter. All this is is bragging rights that they're trying to keep going right now. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Are there any other teams to look out for across the divisions? Is there anyone that's going to properly challenge the Leafs right now, in your opinion, Justin? Uh, are we talking like across all of the divisions or just North yeah. Division? Across the whole league. Across all uh, the three other divisions included. Yeah, that would be Florida right now. 
Thanks for listening, and be sure to join the Pro Sports Podcasters Facebook group where you will be able to interact with the hosts and talk to other sports fans. Now back to the show. Hey, and welcome back to Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one of your hosts today, Justin Williams, and today I'm also accompanied by the wonderful Colbert Durant. Kobe, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Good. But we are not alone. For today, we have one of the most elite fighters that we've ever brought on to this show. And personally, I'm a little biased and thinking the world. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mississauga's own Elias Theodoru. Ah, thanks for having me. Ah, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. What have you been right up on. to? Um, again, uh, just kind of uh, getting ready for the, the next one, obviously, this Saturday, March 13th, um, as I look to make uh, history as the first sanctioned cannabis athlete and not cannabis out of the prohibited list for not only myself, but other athletes. And, uh, you know, kind of just pushing towards this goal, and it's finally here. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about the uh, upcoming fight. What have you been doing to, to train and prep for this? Yeah, well, uh, a lot of back to basics, uh, you know, obviously with COVID, um, there are a lot of, uh, you know, roadblocks, alterations, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, kind of closed my bubble, if you will. I'm really excited to kind of have this all come to fruition. Uh, you know, the hard work that kind of prepared for this. And again, the the aspect of fighting a really tough opponent, Matt Dwyer, who's a former UFC fighter himself. Uh, you know, both of us are game veterans uh, that want to get our hand raised. And I'm going to play spoiler because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming to his province, uh, as mentioned, uh, a Mississauga, Toronto import uh, here in BC. <laughs> um, but I am very much uh, enjoying the BC bud uh, as I'm out here. Will there be uh, fans at that event or no? No, no fans. Uh, but everyone can uh, tune in to imaginebc.net and uh, sign up for not only a month uh, subscription of my Imagine BC exclusive content channel, which is 19 and 21 plus, uh, which will have a lot of cannabis friendly and also uh, sponsor friendly uh, partners in the cannabis space. But also uh, you'll be getting my fight and the other fights that are on Rise Fighting the Stigma. I'd actually, uh, I'm going to tune into that for sure. Not going to lie there. Thank you so much. No worries. So with a veteran like Matt Dwyer and yourself, both coming from UFC and, and Canadian backgrounds, uh, I'm assuming you were going over footage of his previous fights or um, maybe tactics or whatever to prepare yourself. But what separates this fight from your last fight? I think the difference uh, in this and that in the last fight is, uh, you know, a year to kind of prepare. Uh, COVID obviously affected everyone differently. And I was lucky enough to, you know, continue to do what I love every single day. And um, I basically spent the last year just kind of growing as a martial artist. So, uh, obviously, uh, COVID has affected everyone differently. Uh, but for the, the last year, I've been lucky enough to be able to train and do what I love each and every day. And uh, kind of just, you know, uh, focusing on the task at hand. Uh, you know, it did delay when we were planning to have this event. It's almost been a year. I was uh, looking to have this event on 420 of uh, 2020 because uh, there was you know 420s uh, yeah. and obviously the, <laughs> the um the the you know the ramifications and the implications of that but you know it didn't it didn't come as as early as planned uh, but definitely stuck with it and had the opportunity to kind of just use the extra time to just become a better fighter both uh, inside the cage and out now you're used to big market events. You've been in the UFC for quite some time. It's gonna be a much smaller market event. Do you approach it differently, or is it exactly the same for you? Exactly the same. I think the the, the difference in in some capacity is the fact that there won't be any crowd. But in many ways, that kind of removes a lot of the nerves. Um, 
it's very much like a sparring session where I can kind of be in the moment as, as much as possible and uh, less worried about all the eyes watching me. Uh, I've fought in front of like 30,000 people before. So, um, you know, this is, this is very much more reminiscent to when I fought for the ultimate fighter, when it, it was, it was literally just felt like a, you know, a very important sparring session. You've never really appeared to be that uh, intimidated by crowds, though. You usually play up to the crowd. So <laughs> either you're a really good actor or you can kind of get yourself in the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely nerves leading up to it. But one, by the time you get there, it's like, yeah, you don't have time to kind of think or overthink um, about anything. It's just green means go, right? That's right. Mm. I was going to say, speaking of acting, to switch gears a little bit, uh, last time we had spoken, you had mentioned that you were working on multiple projects. Evidently, obviously, COVID has halted that, but uh, would you mind kind of slipping some details on how that, that's going? Yeah. Um, well, with uh, some of them, I can't talk about. Um, uh, and obviously, again, lucky that um, you know the movie industry, the movie and television industry has uh, you know been affected in some ways, but also been able to you know work in others. So. I've been working throughout this whole, you know, pandemic and couldn't be more excited or, and thankful um, for the opportunity uh, to do so. And I don't know, I think that kind of is a, a bigger, broader question and uh, conversation about, you know, some of the, you know, uh, I would say um, aspects of our, you know, provincial government uh, not being able to get its act together in some, uh, you know, in some, you know, uh, sectors of the economy and, and it can in the other. Um, it, unfortunately, COVID has uh, kind of highlighted, uh, you know, some of the, the negative, the negative aspects of voting for the bucket beer guy. Exactly. Mm. No, I fully understand that. Uh, so with this bout coming up for Rise FC, you mentioned you can see it through your uh, your access. Is there another way people can, can watch it? it? Does Rise have a contract with uh, a television network that I'm unaware of or the fans might be unaware of? It's it's strictly through imaginebc.net. Uh, it's okay. a age-gated 19 and 21 plus uh, venue. So it will actually allow for all of my cannabis sponsors to uh, promote and uh, advocate uh, not only uh, you know cannabis, but also their brands as well. So indica or sativa? Uh, sativa all day, um, and then uh, <laughs> then uh, indica more at night. But at you know, nighttime, I, at I, PM. I, yeah, <laughs> I very much uh, you know start switching more to the the indica and uh, that aspect and uh, the strains uh, for more pain management and going to sleep. But at the same time, I also high dose on uh, CBD at night to, so I can remember my dreams. Uh, cannabis doesn't make you not dream. It just uh, sometimes uh, makes you not remember them. So I'm a very vivid dreamer. And just like with the entourage effect, CBD can kind of counter effect. You know, if you ever get uh, too quote unquote high, you just take some CBD and you'll, you'll kind of calm down a little bit. Same thing with uh, your dreams. So uh, high dosing on CBD every night allows me to, again, you know, anti-inflammatory properties of it, but also uh, remember my dreams more. Now, another quick question there. Um, I'm very new to the to the realm of, of weed and its benefits amongst everything. What is the uh, the strand or the, the I don't even know what I want to call it. Again, forgive me, I'm so new. For when I have high anxiety, what would I take for that? Would that be CBD or would that be indica? What would that be? Well, a, bit of, a first start, start would be definitely uh, CBD. That um, is both anti-inflammatory and again, it's a more calming aspect of lots of the euphoria uh, that is associated with THC. 
So that would be a good way to step in. Then from there, take a one-to-one, um, you know, whether it's a tincture, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, other forms of uh, consumption, having the one-to-one will kind of even them out or even, you know, uh, a two-to-one or a three-to-one where the CBD is higher uh, than the uh, THC, but it still encompasses the um, entourage effect. So you'll have some of the, uh, you know, the, the cannabis and cannabinoids in there. Um, but then eventually as you build up some tolerance then you can start playing with it and uh you know switching to um other aspects how quickly do you think other promotions are going to adopt a cannabis friendly attitude and start changing the rules within their systems i think with the states um it will be very much a state-by-state cases okay. uh, until at the very least uh you know decriminalization or legalization happens um at currently with its you know uh, schedule one uh labeling and uh, you know classification of you know schedule one narcotic as mentioned but uh, the the fact that there's no medical properties uh that's always the uphill battle and that's what i dealt with when i was with the ufc and applying for a therapeutic use exemption with usada but um you know uh, i think it's it's one of the case it's the case that you know day by day it's slowly going in the right direction and i'm you know i'm trying to do my part March 13th, as I make history as the first sanctioned cannabis athlete and uh, set precedent not only for myself, but other athletes moving forward. Um, with our promotion or just cannabis in general, it, again, they'll have to divert to the uh, commission. And then each individual and each uh, person can now uh, apply for a therapeutic use exemption of their own. So it's very much a case by case basis and how all medicine should be. Okay. And how long did it take, like, did that process take for you to get the exemption? Uh, the exemption, I've been in some capacity for the better part of five years, but um, four or five years. But uh, with that being said, now that the precedent has been set, it should uh, be a much more streamlined uh, approach. And again, all the other athletes won't have to have the, the same trials and tribulations that I had with, uh, you know, exhausting all other first line medicines like opioids and, you know, uh, painkillers that are detrimental to me, both as patient and athlete. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Now, with you being the first to go through this, are you going to try to apply for a Guinness World Record? Because I feel like you should. I don't know if uh, that's a Guinness World Record. Um, I think maybe I don't. I don't know if that, that that's what it clarifies, but it definitely. Either way, I, I am the first, uh, more broadly, to get an appro- approval for a professional therapeutic use exemption. And again, I look to fight in other jurisdictions. Uh, that, uh, you know, recognize my uh, ability to medicate with cannabis as prescribed by my doctor. And uh, whether that means having the most uh, therapeutic use exemptions when it's all said and done, then uh, maybe that'd be a more, uh, uh, then I'll have to look more into the, the Guinness component of it. I'd love to see your name in a Guinness world record along with like this record and just, you know, cause you're, you are literally the forefront of this whole new wave in this era that, you know, some might argue was a little late for it, but nevertheless, showing up to the party and doing what you do and, and fighting against those odds. So much respect to you, sir, for doing this. Thank you so much. It means the world. Now, just to further kind of go back onto what you're talking about, just again, to promote the upcoming fight happening. Uh, what do you typically tend to focus on more? Is it based on your opponents? Maybe you do more cardio or more like uh, groundwork or standing work. What have you done to really prepare for Matt in this case? I think uh, again, it, there's a lot, obviously a magician won't reveal a secret, but um, 
uh, in many ways, uh, you know, a lot of the same, but, you know, building up towards, you know, different attributes that he has both as a fighter and as a individual and kind of, uh, chipping away everything until the, the plan is set. Uh, you know, in many ways I'm going to be doing me, uh, and, uh, looking to push yeah. the pace and ba- break them mentally and physically and get my hand raised, uh, after a dev- devastating, uh, finish. Yeah, I think in most cases, the majority of your fights, your opponents have had to adjust to your style. You have a very unorthodox style when it comes to mm-hmm. how you fight. You're very difficult to, to read opponent. Uh, someone that did defeat you, though, is Tiago Santos. He recently fought at UFC 259. Did you watch that event? Yes, I did. How did you think of his particular performance? I've seen the majority of your fights. I've seen the majority of his fights. He looked like a very different fighter to me. I, I think the way he was moving, I think if the two of you were to run it back again. I think you'd beat him in this situation, to be honest. He didn't look like the same fighter to me. What did you think? Well, I think everyone peaks and everyone has, you know, different streaks. Uh, I think his run at 205 has been very impressive. Obviously, he did just come back from, uh, you know, getting both of his knees yeah. uh, redid. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you would uh, beat Thiago Santos now, the version he is now, or no? I think I definitely, um, you know, had a great fight uh with him the first one and there's certain mistakes that uh again i i could definitely you know i have learned from uh, more broadly and i would definitely learn uh to you know get correct and not uh fall for the same mistakes so yeah yeah i definitely do think so and uh you know like i said either way uh, he's someone that i always you know admire and uh respect and uh, look forward to his next fight and seeing his hand raised soon and beyond your fight on Saturday, do you have any other future fights in the works with other promotions or anything or no? Um, I'm looking to validate my therapeutic use exemption in every single direction that I end up going. Uh, obviously, I'm focused on March, the Saturday, March 13th, uh, yeah. as I you know look to fight for Rise Fighting the Stigma. But uh, I'll tell you that I had uh, opportunities and uh, offers uh, in different directions, but I'm very much set to uh, make history and also, again, fight for something bigger than myself. Right on. Uh, maybe a bit of a daft question, but probably for the average or MMA fan in general trying to potentially make it into the MMA world, how did uh, you get hooked up with Rise? Like, tell us about the background of that relationship. Yeah, no, I, I know Saba. I knew Saba peripherally uh, in the MMA scene in uh, mixed martial arts. He is the uh, my co-promoter and the owner of Rise, and um, you know he's a former fighter himself, or you know not even necessarily former. He fought, uh, you know, in his last event and um, also promoted the event as well. So he's a fighter and someone that I've, uh, you know, worked well well with this whole time. And, um, you know, when I told him what I wanted to do in the aspect of not only fighting, but fighting for something larger in the cannabis space, um, he was very interested and very eager to, you know, partner. And it's been a great partnership. So I'm really excited to work with uh, Rise and, uh, you know, uh, produce a, a great night of event, a great night of fights for Rise Fighting the Stigma this March 13th. The one last thing I'll say, it's also obviously uh, 4.20 uh, on Saturday, 4.20 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, uh, which is 7.20 Eastern time. And uh, the pay-per-view itself will be $4.20, obviously, <laughs> um, for uh, both uh, the fight, but also a month's subscription to my, um, my Imagine BC account. Right on. But where can other people find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me at, at Elias Theodora. 
It's E-L-I-A-S-T-H-E-O-D-O-R-O-U, both on Instagram and Twitter. And then again, you can catch Rise Fighting the Stigma this March 13th at imaginebc.net. All right, perfect. Good talking to you, buddy. Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. Now, just before I let you go, a little fun fact. Last time we interviewed an MMA fighter, he won in his first round, uh, Mr. Ryan Dickinson. So nice. I wish you the best nice. of luck, too. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, Ryan's the man. Referee stoppage in the second, the last wins. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> Calling it right now. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, sir. Take it easy. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show. Let's talk about UFC 259. I got to get this out. I've been itching to talk about this. <laughs> okay. It wasn't the greatest UFC entertainment wise, but it was a very interesting UFC to see. Three title matches. I'm gonna I'm gonna begin from the first one all the way to the last one that happened. You know the main event of the night. Yep. But beginning with the first one, we had a title match between Peter Yan, who is the bantamweight champion, defending against Aljamain Sterling, who is the number one contender. And this was billed to be a pretty solid fight because even Vegas, for the most part, had it close to even in odds. Yeah. And what you have is a very accomplished striker versus a very accomplished wrestler. But both of those guys have skills in the the other opponent's sort of arena, right? Peter Yan can wrestle and Aljamain Sterling can strike. And what this really became was a sort of volume attack by Aljamain Sterling. He was just throwing everything he could at Peter Yan strike-wise. Yes. And he's not the greatest striker. These are, these are sloppy shots, but he was throwing so many that he was getting through. Correct. Only Peter Jan's defense is so good when it comes to striking that he threw maybe a fifth as many punches or strikes, but was landing at a much higher percentage. And the fight seemed pretty close to me. I actually had it pretty much even in the fourth round where it eventually ended. And it ended in a way that's never happened before. Correct. This is the first time that a title has been won through disqualification. Wow. Now, Co, how does one get disqualified in UFC fights? Well, in this particular case, you've got Aljamain Sterling down on the mat. His knee is down. He's in sort Mm -hmm. of a squat position. Yeah. And Peter Yan, standing in front of him, decides this would be a great time to knee him full force in the face. What? Yeah. Completely illegal hit. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to, to basically knee or kick or anything like that to the head to a downed opponent. And a downed opponent is pretty much, if you have any of your knees down, you're a downed opponent. If you even have pretty much one hand on the ground you're a downed opponent from for some of the uh ufc uh fights depending on the rules they're going with yeah some rules require it too so he took the knee to the to the face laid out he wasn't completely knocked out but he was 100 percent concussed and he actually wanted to continue and the referee gave him quite a long time to sort of recover even though you've got cormier and and Rogan being like, they got to end this. Like, this is ridiculous. This this is over. That's a, a an obviously vicious shot mm. on purpose. Wasn't accidental. 
And what made it even worse is that before he kneed him in the head, the referee pointed out to Peter Jan, hey, he's down. He's down. Because it looked like Peter Jan was going to set up for a kick. Yeah. Oh. So he even warned him. He oh. said, "Don't, hey, he's a down guy, so don't do that. And then it went on for like another 15, 20 seconds. So you figure, okay, he heard that. He knows he, he can't he can't kick him here. And all of a sudden, he just winds up and boom, knees him straight in the face. As a result, he loses the disqualification and the belt went to Aljamain Sterling. Wow. Yeah, I saw the highlights. The man looked uh, looked not well after. Even his interview after when he was talking with uh, Joe Rogan, he mentioned he's like, you know, he's a tough dude. Uh, the fight was going kind of back and forth. Uh, the knee itself was vicious and uncalled for, but he's like, I would give him a rematch. Oh yeah, they'll they'll definitely have a rematch. But the the bonus for Aljamain Sterling in this case, he's disappointed he won the belt that way. But it's still you have the belt. When you have the belt, you're getting belt money. Oh oh god yes. So even though it's a strange way to win a belt, and it's the only time it's ever happened, you're still the champion, and the, with the champion comes certain perks. Mm-hmm. So do you think there'll be there will be any bad blood between these two when they re- have a rematch eventually, or will things? Kind of subside. There was bad blood before this match started. Why is that? These two guys do not like each other. They hate each other. Oh. They were jawing oh. each other hard, hardcore at the weigh-in. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And I also think there's a there's a sentiment in the UFC. No one wants to say it. Okay? No one really wants to talk mm-hmm. about it. But the UFC is an American construct. Yep. And yeah. it's slowly getting taken over by Russian fighters. And I think there's a lot of American fighters that are a little bitter about this happening. So this was a chance, even though Aljamain Sterling is Jamaican, he does fight out of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. So he represents an American gym and American ideals. And this was like a battle of America versus Russia. They don't want it. They're not going to market it that way, but that's really what it was. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where some of the, the hate comes from. Right. So, yeah. So that was the first of the title fights. Okay. So we got to see something we've never seen before. Correct. I had a funny conversation with Justin before this, this uh, UFC happened because we were talking about, you know, what to expect in this UFC. And I told him, you know, just so you know, Amanda Nunes is, is going to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. And he's like, I don't know. You know, Megan Anderson looks pretty big. She's tall. She's long. She can maybe keep her at, at bay. I said, just watch what happens <laughs> when they get into the ring. So that fight took about a minute. But realistically, wow. that fight was over maybe 25 seconds in. Yeah. The second Nunez contacted with her first overhand right. To Megan's head. I saw that same look on Megan Anderson's face that I've seen on practically every one of Nunez's opponents. The reality that, oh my God, my life just flashed before my eyes. <laughs> right? Nunez hits so hard. So hard. It's, it's like nothing they've ever faced, right? They could bring in, you know, sparring partner after sparring partner after sparring partner and not be prepared for what's coming at them when they get hit. Like, I think it's the best example of the classic adage, the everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. I love it. Mm-hmm. That should be her, her friggin' like 
poster. You know, like that literally should be the Amanda News poster. Every time, the second she contacts, it's a whole different game. The, the panic sets right in. And she clocked her one time. You can see the reality look on Megan's face. Like, oh, no, this is not going to be fun. And this is like, you know, 20 seconds in. And then it was survival mode from that point on until the fight was over. So this is now causes a problem because Nunez is a two-division champion. And there's no one, really, for her to face of any consequence that could really challenge her. I can't see her losing to anybody, period. Wow. She's that dominant. Calls up one and be like, yo, guys, can you send us like eight of your fighters? Or like bump some guys in her division? Honestly. Right? Let her start beating up on guys? <laughs> Seriously. Mm. She is so dominant. Mm. There's no one even close. Yeah, I, was I hear Peter Yen's looking for a fight now. <laughs> <laughs> now, now here's a question, Cole. Because you've talked about dominance with Amanda Nunez. Is Amanda Nunez more dominant in MMA than Clarissa Shields is dominant in boxing? Which one is the more dominant fighter in that sport? Amanda Nunes. Okay. All right. Now, Kobe, you left out how Amanda won. I mean, you could say Megan tapped. Mm-hmm. I would call it a brutalization. Well, on paper, oh, wow. it's a submission. <laughs> It'll go down as a submission, but it was just brutalizing an individual, and she was even nice about it. Yeah. Could have been worse. She could have permanently injured her if she really wanted to, but she actually held back. Yeah. I, I can't remember what the final odds in that fight was, but I think, I think Megan Anderson was like a plus nine hundred underdog or something. Yeah. Wow. So what's the next fight going to be? Like plus fifteen hundred? <laughs> you know, what, you know what I mean? Like, I can make my money back betting on the underdog. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea who they can put against her and. Anyone you throw against her, you know it's lamb to the slaughter. That's what it is. It's lamb to the slaughter, right? Mm-hmm. So they got They really got to figure out the UFC's got a problem there. And speaking of problems, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to go on to the final event, the main event. Jan Blakovich defending his title mm-hmm. for the first time against, and that's at light heavyweight, against the middleweight title holder who moved up Israel Adesanya, who all the hype was on. Yeah. The undefeated Israel Adesanya. Undefeated Israel right. Adesanya, who now has the blight on his record for having moved up and fought the significantly bigger guy. Now, there was a lot of talk of this going in about, you know, you are moving up in weight, you're going to be fighting a bigger guy, is that an issue? And Israel kept maintaining that size doesn't matter skill and speed and precision beat size. And in mm. the end, it was size that dominated him. Yep. I, I saw the highlights of that, and Jan just kind of was like, all right, I'll take you to the ground. Well, there's a couple of things about this that I like and a couple of things I dislike. So the first thing I like is I've been talking about this leading up to, this is the first of two fights okay? that, that this is about, but I've been talking about how I think it's a huge mistake for the UFC to take a champion in one division and just move him up and give him a title shot without ever having had a fight in that division. Yeah. Because if Adesanya won 
Okay, it's it's all puppy dogs and ice cream for the UFC, right? If he won, it'd be a, it'd be a great thing because now you have the superstar. He's got two belts. Uh, if you want, you can give him title defenses in both weight classes, right? You have options. Yep. But because they bumped him up, they gave him an immediate title title shot, and he lost. Now their options are are none. They're zero. Mm-hmm. Joe Rogan asked Adesanya after the fight, he's like, you know, is this like a one and done thing? Or are you going to uh, consider, you know, maybe adding some weight and moving up? And Adesanya said, no, 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 it's just a, it was a one and done thing. You know, I figure I give it a shot and you know, strive for greatness. But now I'm going back to the middleweight division. Mm-hmm. So he's going back to a division that he's already cleared out pretty much. Yeah. So you've got very little interest there. He had the title fight at light heavyweight and lost. So... I mean, he could fight other light heavyweights, but what's the point? Yeah. Right? So n- now you've got nothing there. Yeah. You know, for Jan Blakovich, it's a bonus because he gets to be, like he even said, you know, hey, it's a bonus for me because I got to be the only guy that's beaten him. Mm-hmm. You know, I beat an undefeated yeah. guy. That's that's a big deal for me. But that's the only bonus he gets out of it because when it comes right down to it, everyone else in the division is going to look at it like, well, yeah, you beat him, but he's not a light heavyweight. You beat a middleweight. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, they have this idea that once you've won a title, it's not officially your title until you defend it. That's kind of how they, they look at things these days. Mm-hmm. So you go into a title a title shot, you win it. You're like, right on, I'm the new champion. But you're not a, the official undisputed champion until you've defended your title. So now Jan Blakovich has done that, but he did it Ish. against the middleweight. <laughs> yeah. Right, so there's so many things that happen when it doesn't go the way the UFC was hoping, and we have that exact same situation in the works at heavyweight. With uh, John Bones Jones waiting for the winner of Miocic versus Nganu, so he gets an immediate title shot before they schedule him with anyone else, which they obviously have time to do. Mm-hmm. you're waiting for a title shot anyways. And after the title shot happens, I mean, you figure with those two guys, that's not going to be a quick bounce back. They're going to have to take some time off. Correct. Right? So you could even have maybe a six-month minimum layoff before the next title defense. So Bones is going to be sitting around for who knows how long before he actually gets that title shot. In the meantime, they could have very easily given him somebody else in the heavyweight division to fight and see if he deserves the shot at the title. Yes. That makes sense. It makes total sense. Like I, I said, with Adesanya, I thought, look, keep in mind, Adesanya at weigh-in was just over 200 pounds. He was 200 and a half pounds. Yeah. Light heavyweight is 205. So he came in underweight. And Jan Blakovich is a pretty big light heavyweight. He's not John Bones Jones big, but he's a pretty big light heavyweight. So they figured at fight time, during the fight, he was probably somewhere between 215 and 220. Mm -hmm. Even though he weighed in at 205, by the next day, you've gained all that water and all that actual weight back. So you're talking about a guy who's 200 fighting a guy who's like 215 to 220. When he got on top of him, Adesanya had no chance of getting out from underneath him. It was a weighted blanket. Exactly. A very heavily weighted blanket. (laughs) Right? So why wouldn't they have just instead schedule Adesanya to fight somebody else in the division? Don't make it an immediate thing because now you've got time. You don't have to worry about, oh, I want to be the very next guy to fight Jan Blakovich, whatever. It's like, whatever. Fight a couple other guys, 
earn your spot. During that time, you're adding weight to your body. You're adding muscle to your body. And then by the time you actually fight the champion, you're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't like Jan Blokovic dominated him. It was a pretty, pretty close to even fight on the feet. So, and Adesanya looked very crisp. Okay. He looked very crisp. He looked good, to be honest. It's just, he was not ready for a guy that size with that much power. Mm-hmm. And the same thing could happen in the heavyweight division. Now, it's less likely. Okay. So the, the one bonus about John Bones Jones going up to heavyweight is that at 205, you're a light heavyweight. At 207, you're a heavyweight. So you don't have to be, it's, it's not a massive weight gain really to become a heavyweight fighter. Of course, you want additional muscle mass. You want to give yourself as, as much a chance as possible against some of these bigger guys. But there's a lot of guys who have fought at heavyweight who also fought at light heavyweight. It's not a, it's not a hard transition. It's a much more difficult transition to go from middleweight to light heavyweight. So John has that advantage. And on top of that, because he's got to wait so long, he's just going to keep adding muscle keep adding size, keep adding strength until the day comes. But I don't understand why they just wouldn't have given him a fight in between that time. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And God forbid he loses. If he loses, then you have the same problem again. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Keep in mind, so Jan Blokovic is only the light heavyweight champion because John Jones gave up his belt. Yes. Right? He abdicated his belt. He just gave it up. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to move up to heavyweight. I'm I'm going to be adding muscle, so I'm not going to want to have to lose weight again to come back down to light heavyweight to defend my belt. So I'm giving up the belt. And then they had Blakovich versus uh, Dominic Reyes. So they had they basically had Blakovich versus Dominic Reyes for the belt. Everyone gave the advantage to Reyes. Blakovich knocked his ass out. And then Reyes had gone right. five rounds with John Bones Jones, so that was a pretty significant achievement that he did that. But that's how he got the belt, right? They they had a fight for a, a belt that belonged to no one at the time. So there's a lot of talk about, is Blokovic really the light heavyweight champion? Mm-hmm. It's more of a champion by convenience. So if John Bones goes, goes up to heavyweight and loses the title fight, then you got a, you got a choice, right? Does he stick around in heavyweight and start fighting other guys to... to to earn another shot at the heavyweight belt? Or does he decide, you know what? I'm just going to lose the weight again, go back down light heavyweight, and take my belt back. Mm. I mean, again, you find yourself in a situation. Well, the UFC would find themselves in a situation that's just not advantageous. So you get you put yourself in a situation where, well, then who's going to fight who? So I don't know. It's mm. To me, that whole moving up and immediately getting a title shot, it just doesn't work. And this, this situation shows you 100% why. Yeah, but I guarantee you, the entire middleweight division was rooting for Israel Adesanya, <laughs> right? The whole division. So he could leave. I hope he wins and stays there, because then maybe he'll give up the belt, mm. and we can get a shot at you know some of that belt money. Yeah, that's right. You look at last night, and you've got the weirdest transition of a title ever. You've got. A woman who has no peers in two divisions, basically. And you've got a guy who is now backed into a corner as to what he can do. And I think part of the reason why that even happened is because I think Israel Adesanya was starting to read his own press a little bit too much. Mm. He got too cocky. 
And we've talked about this once before when we were talking about, you know, all the different champions and the different divisions and such. And we were also talking about who we thought the greatest of all time was. And I said, the one thing that really diminishes what the best middleweights have ever done, and this is Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva during his reign was the top striker in a division full of strikers. Israel Adesanya, during his reign in the same division right now, is the top striker in a division full of strikers. And he went up to, to light heavyweight, and what happened? He got beaten by wrestling. Wasn't prepared. Yeah. So that shows anyone who's considering making a move at the middleweight division in the UFC, if you really want to beat Israel Adesanya, you now know how it's done. you got to take him down to the mat. you got to take him down, and that's how you beat him. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not they'll actually have somebody who has that kind of skill in that division at at some point in the near future. That's the multi-million dollar question. Will they find someone available to actually challenge and not just be a cupcake matchup? That's right. Because there's only so many cupcake matches you can watch, right, as a fan. And then people start to unsubscribe, they start to lose interest. Correct.